With your permission, I want, to, I want to talk very practically with you today about life-giving engagement. Life-giving engagement from the opportunity that the Lord Jesus gives us each and every day to make a choice for, in Him, through Him, by His example, spirit, and power, to live a life each and every day of life-giving engagement, not life-denying engagement. Not life-robbing engagement, but life-giving engagement. In part through what you heard Emily Holder read just a moment ago from that classical text on that for ancient Israel out of Isaiah 58. And then now in just a moment from the great 12th chapter of Romans. If you were to decide though today that by, by the power of God's grace in you and in the freedom you have, to choose to live a life of life-giving engagement as a proactive Christian in the world today. And you were to come to me and you were to say, Clay, I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood to select three chapters, not verses, not small segments, but three chapters that I am going to work for the remainder of the year, between now and December 31st, as best I can to commit to memory. To commit to memory. Or at least become utterly conversant with the stuff of those chapters that have to do with, you might say to me, my ability, my vision for, my practice each and every day of what I prioritize to do. Because in my freedom, I choose it. What three chapters might you recommend to me that I would get up real cozy with? from between now and the end of the year, even to the point of doing it the old-fashioned way, which is to say, commit it to memory as best you can. Here's what I'd tell you. I'd tell you, go to Isaiah 58. Let that be one of them. John 15, the Gospel of John, chapter 15, would be the second one. And the twelfth chapter of the book of Romans. The letter to the Romans would be the third. All right. Now, with that in mind, having in some way heard and recalling what Emily read, join me now in the 12th chapter of Romans and be reading now. Follow along if you like, beginning in verse 9 through the end of the chapter today. Listen for the Word of God. And so Paul says, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord in that way. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend authentic hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you actually are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble. 
in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath or the work of God's judgment. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will reap burning coals on their head. Understand that to mean the burning coals of God's grace, which they are not particularly interested in in the moment. Do not overcome, do not be overcome, there you go, by evil, but overcome evil with good. Once again, the Word of God for the people of God today. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let me talk to you very practically for just a minute about about becoming increasingly comfortable in God's world. Becoming increasingly at ease in God's world. And in part, making that forward progress, you and I, and every other person that claims the water of their baptism upon them, in terms of in Jesus making the decision to as much as possible, as consistently as possible, choosing to live daily life, okay, in a life-engaging way, life-giving way, and not in a life-denying way, and not in a life-robbing way, either toward oneself or anyone you and I come into contact with over the course of the day. Let's go back to Isaiah 58 very quickly. In the society of ancient Israel, back in Isaiah's chapter of ministry, that society, from the upper echelon to the lower rungs of that whole society, they were in a state of utter discombobulation. Anybody know what discombobulation means? You ever been there? You may not be able to define it, but if you've ever been there, you know what it is. You are utterly undone, for the most part. You are confused. You are uncertain. You are frustrated in all of that. And with a more than just a creeping situation, you're in a state, I'm in a state of increasing despair and cynicism about what is and what is not. All right? That's, in a sense, is what it means to be discombobulated. Israel, in that chapter of Isaiah's ministry, was in a very discombobulated state, and here is why. Because they would pray, and God would seem to be remarkably silent. They would do the things that their faith tradition said is the, are the things that God wants, God expects, God, God's heart delights in from God's people. And God seems strangely absent. And the more that was the case, the more they became discombobulated. And so they began to do some things in heightened fashion. They began to read their Bible a whole lot more. They began to show up in church quite regularly. They showed up in choir practice every Wednesday night without fail. And if there was a small group meeting on Monday night during their equivalent of NFL football, they would just chew NFL football, forget about it, and show up at the 
small group meeting to talk and pray and seek and do all of the things in such a way that their hope was God's tongue would be loosened and they would hear. God's generosity would be unlocked and the things that they would pray for would be more fully and frequently granted. And that's what they were doing. And then God decides to speak. And God, through Isaiah, says essentially this. Well, he says, you're doing a pretty good job of all of the drill and ceremony things. All the things that my people, when they are called to be people of faith, do. You're showing up in church. You're doing this. You're doing that. And all of the, all of the things that we tend to do when times are good and we particularly tend to do when times are not so good. But he says, take a look at your every day. Take a look. See honestly your every day. And so when you look at Isaiah 58, the first half of Isaiah 58 is God saying, this is what I see outside of your church times. Do you see it? And it is remarkably full of things of inattention pay. Or if not inattention paying, it's full of things that they choose to ignore. Everyday things like being concerned not only for what's right and good and just for themselves, but what is right and good and just for their neighbor. Being concerned about not just themselves, but those in their community that are the most vulnerable, that are the most prone to being taken advantage of by others. Things of peace and justice and mercy. Toward folks they know and folks they don't know. Toward their neighbor right next door and their neighbor totally across town. And perhaps even in the larger vision of their God, also for the folks half a world away, and in sometimes and places, as utterly scandalous as it might seem, even concern for the enemy at the gates. And so the first part of Isaiah, God reminds them of that. He says there's a disconnect going on here between how we do and be in church and how we do and be the rest of the time. Now, if you're like me, you're sitting here thinking, and particularly if you're familiar at all with that chapter uh, 58 in Isaiah, uh, one, of the, one of the things that strikes us all is that, my gosh, that doesn't sound a whole lot different than today. And you're right, it never seems to change. Except here and there, and there and here, in the hearts and minds of God's people who make a fairly frequent an authentic decision out of their own free will that today and tomorrow I'm going to live in a life-engaging manner toward myself and toward my God and toward others, and I'm not going to live as best I can in a life-denying or robbing way toward myself or my neighbors or my God. And then the latter half of that chapter is God saying, now if you will take the rest of your average week with the same open-hearted, love-transforming 
attitude and approach that here in the season of your discombobulation, you're taking toward your church life, then great things are going to come your way. And in your decision for life-engaging daily life, in me and toward your neighbor and toward yourself, if you've got your Bible open, take a look at that verse 11 in chapter 58. In part, it says... And as you do, you will rebuild the shattered walls of the authority and the integrity of your community. You will be known by those who come after you and those who surround you now and respond to the grace and the mercy in your deeds and in your words and in your heart and in your motives. You will become known to them and to your posterity as those who rebuilt the shattered walls and restored the safety and the sanctity of our neighborhoods. That's very local, isn't it? It's very, very local. So the notion for Israel and for you and for me today and for, in years to come, our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren and all of those folks... The opportunity every day to make a choice between, in Jesus, living a daily life of life-giving engagement or life-denying, life-robbing engagement. And not just to self, but to and for all. To and for all. If you and I need things to hang our hat on in terms of saying, well, what would that particularly look like? then we just don't have far to go. In John 15, Jesus talks about being vine and branches and being intimately and organically connected with the loving Holy Spirit of our God. Not as a matter of choice, but as a matter of simply embracing what is already so in each and every life here. And just coming more and more alive to that every day. Then the word that he says in the latter part of that chapter. And so, in the truth of that, this is the only thing I ask you to do. This is the only thing, as your Lord, I command you to do. Love each other. Caveat, as I have loved you. Choosing for life engagement, not life robbing, not life denying, but choosing for life engagement in the lives of others as well as in your own life in an utterly sacrificial way. And not in a way that just makes for convenience. We hear that, Lord, and thank you. But then comes that great 12th chapter of Romans. And so we add that to that today, invite you to do that today. You may recall the opening verses of that great 12th chapter. Sisters and brothers, I plead with you by the mercies of God to give your very bodies, that is to say, the undertaking of your daily lives, to my will and my ways out in the world, to choose life engaging. Not life-robbing or life-denying. Because when you do that, that is your most authentic expression of worship of me. 
Not so much when you show up at church or you never miss a Sunday school hour or you're always in choir practice or whatever it may be because in your and my... Hello, what's going on up there, y'all? For whatever it may be that we're operating out of, out of either our smugness on the one hand or our discombobulation about what's going on in life and how we feel like God is strangely silent, strangely not present. The Word of the Lord says, well, what Paul said in Romans 12, 1 through 3 makes a lot of sense. The Lord might say and whisper into your ear and mine. He goes on to say, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that your most authentic expression of worship each and every day is how you live in Jesus' Spirit in life-engaging ways, not life-robbing or denying ways. But it's a freedom thing. It's a choice, and we know it. And some of us may be at a point of of disappointment and cynicism and despair because we may be thinking, okay, Clay, I can choose to do that, and I want to choose to do that, and I will choose to do that, but what difference does it make out there when everybody else seems to be in practice and in attitude going in the opposite direction? Are you pretty well fed up with the politics and with the attitude in our society today of defeat and to destroy one's political opponent by character assassination and by merciless mocking? Is your stomach just sour enough on, from that one limited illustration of what prevails in the society we live in today in terms of giving us a chance to see the difference between what life engaging effort is and what life denying and robbing is. One small but pervasive illustration that every time we turn on the news, every time we read the newspaper, every time we check out the latest word on the Internet, we see it, we hear it, we feel it. So I'm going to invite you to do something. I'm going to invite you to do two things today. One, I'm going to invite you to forget about the rest of the world and everybody else's decision about it. I'm going to invite you to just consider you. And let the rest of the world and the rest of everybody else's motivations go hang. Ed decides for Ed. Terry decides for Terry. Janelle decides for Janelle. Bill decides for Bill. Clay decides for Clay. That in the spirit and lordship of Jesus, we will choose an approach of engaging 
in life-giving ways. To ourselves and to our neighbor and to our opponents and to our friends and to our enemies and to the people we care about and to the people we don't care about at all except as when we cross paths and to the people we will never meet and we will never directly know personally. But whatever we may do as Christian believers, in Jesus' ways we will do. And they will somehow be blessed. The second thing I want you to do, invite you to do, is go to that place in Romans 12. Particularly verses 9 through 21. But go live for a while in that great chapter and do two things. Leisurely, but with focus. Take each of those prescriptions. There's about 30 of them. In 9 through 21. Ponder each one. Pause over each one. Be open to the Holy Spirit in prayer over each one. And somehow in the next several days, come to a conclusion about the following. One. Which one of those prescriptions in chapter 12 of Romans 9 through 21, which one of those prescriptions for you are you really strong at? Determine which one it is, and then determine that you're going to do whatever you can do in prayer and in preparation and in thought and in implementation and in talking with others about it and listening to others about it. You're going to continue to go from strength unto strength unto strength according to that one prescription, whichever one it is. And then be brave enough to turn the coin over. And locate that one prescription where in your mind, some of the time, most of the time, that prescription is almost non-existent. And I want you to really take that one and embrace it close to your heart. I invite you to do it and give the same focus toward Building that prescription that right now is running low and weak in you and building it into a thing of daily strength. And as you do, I am here to tell you, Jesus will profoundly bless you. And your resolve To live in life-enabling and engaging ways. And your ability to say no and to recognize and to back away from the things that heretofore you may and I may have engaged in that are life-denying and life-robbing ways, not only for ourselves but for toward others. I assure you, On both fronts, your heart will leap with gladness as you discover and experience victory in both. Amen.